Hello and welcome to the Maidcast, the official podcast of the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, a series of lectures on video game history as part of the Maid's ongoing effort to preserve history through teaching and displaying playable exhibits of rare games and consoles. While life in the time of COVID has forced us to close our doors, the support of people like you has allowed us to continue to bring history to you through lectures and interviews like the one you'll hear in a few minutes. I'm Chun. I'm Miles. I'm Anthony. And I'm Red. Today we have a chat with Megan McDuffie. She is the composer of the new Atari Recharged series, uh, which includes like remastered games like Centipede, Missile Command, Asteroids, and Black Widow. We talk about what it was like composing for updated versions of these classic games, her inspirations, her process, and some of the audio tools she uses, as well as uh, some of the other musical endeavors she's done. But first, we have a little bit of news, and welcome back, Chun. Yay. Finally, yes, I'm back. Back and ready to rock. We're gl- glad to see you're finally settled in Vancouver and yeah, glad to have nice you back city. a little bit. I pretty much like the weather here. Good. That's good to hear. Nice and wet and rainy and brooding. <laughs> All righty. So, for our first little sections of news, Nintendo's big news of the day uh, Nintendo eShop for the Wii U and 3DS is going to be going offline late March of 2023. So download whatever you can before that time is up. you got about a year to get your last things on your 3DS before they shut it off. It kind of makes sense on one side, but it's also kind of sad. It's it's the end of an era. I mean, I haven't picked up my 3DS in a very long time, but I, I look at it a lot and think about it a lot. And this is going to make me look at it and think about it harder. It's a, it's a sad to see the end of an era, but we'll see what's, what's new coming up on the horizon. In other Cyberpunk 2077 news, we finally have another update. Update 1.5 uh, brings next-gen improvements to the Xbox <clears throat> uh, the Series X. And we also have the new... Uh, and we also have... And the PS5, geez, that's the that's the word I was looking for, uh, as well as many other improvements to driving and the UI, which I was ragging about the driving a lot. Um, dip my toes back in to see what benefits they bring, and then we also have a little bit of gaming history news now. Anthony, what was this story that you found? A bunch of rare video games found in Nebraska. After about 27 years of storage were found, they could potentially be worth millions of dollars as many of the games are still in their original packaging, um, plastic wrap, with uh, games and titles such as Chrono Trigger. Ever heard of that? Oh, man. Hmm. OG Chrono Trigger. Final Fantasy 3, which is Final Fantasy 5, I believe, right? Wait, wait, uh, like, which... Which version is it? Like, which, what language are they in? Uh, English. I'm assuming it would be English Final Fantasy 3. Yeah, because I think the Final Fantasy 3 released as Final Fantasy 5. They skipped, was it 3 and 4, right? Uh, you might want to fact check me on that. But uh, regardless, um, many of these games are in their original packaging, um, worth millions of dollars. 
Uh, if you're interested in checking out this collection, if you go to This Is Game Room on YouTube, uh, they have like a short clip kind of going through all the various uh, games that they uncovered from this storage. Uh, many Sega Genesis games, uh, 3DO, um, SNES, to name a few. Um, yeah, so it's exciting treasure find. It's going to be really cool to see. I'm anxious to see if they, like with ones that have multiple copies, if they pull them out to see if there's any uh, damage to them. Because also in the cellophane ceilings, apparently it's like dries out some of the chips in the cartridges. Uh, it's if they're sealed and they're still sealed, they may not be playable and they may have had like uh, chip deterioration inside, which will be, well, that'd which be a shame. Is, it would be a shame, but. At least the box looks pretty. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that matters. Oh, okay, so uh, correction here. So Final Fantasy III released initially in North America as Final Fantasy VI. So that's a, that's the correction there if, uh, if anyone's editing. Wait, so free is six in America? Yeah, like the first uh, SNES release. They skipped, uh, was it? Three Final Fantasy three, four, and five, and just went straight to six. That's so weird. Yeah. How how does that happen? <laughs> uh, it's mainly due to like just publishing and yeah. So someone typed the wrong numbers. Um, they I don't know. It had something to do like I forget the story behind it, but like Japan didn't release the other ones, and then so. Um, they're like, okay, let's just release six as three. Oh, because uh, Final Fantasy three, four, and five uh, th was not released outside of Japan. But I think it's about time we go over to our interview with Megan McDuffie, and we want to thank you once again, Megan, for joining us on the podcast, and hopefully we'll have you on soon. Uh, once again, with any new projects you're working on. So here is our interview with Megan McDuffie. And we are here once again with the Maid cast for uh, another fantastic interview. Today we have the person behind the music for the Atari Recharged series, Megan McDuffie. Megan, welcome on the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So to start out, uh, we're going to explain a little bit about the Atari Recharge series. It's like a reimagining and revamping of some of Atari's classic games uh, released on the 2600 and in the arcades. And now they are being revamped for a new generation and a new set of eyes and ears. So what was your inspiration for creating the music for these new versions of these games? Well... I normally kind of base my my tone and vibe on the aesthetics of whatever game that I'm working on. So with mm -hmm. the Atari Recharge series, all of the bright neon colors and, you know, simultaneously the, the retro but modern feel of them uh, yeah. sort of dictated my sonic palette in that I wanted it to sound sort of throwbacky but also current. So it sort of it sort of landed somewhere between, um, like I don't know. I kind of feel like it's a little bit '90s flavored. Um, there's some drum and bass kind of inspirations in there. There's definitely some '80s inspirations in there. 
but it's all, you know, done with modern software and and stuff like that, modern mixing uh, techniques. Yeah. So it, it, it landed somewhere in between. Yeah, that sounds fantastic too. It does, I mean, from what I've seen and the little bit I've gotten to play some of these games, you've definitely nailed, the, uh, I feel like, a proper aesthetic for these new versions of these games. Um, Thanks. Did you, were you playing any of these when you were a kid at all? Do you remember like playing these at all before the remastered? Uh, you know, just here and there at like birthday parties and there'd be, you know, laser tag mm-hmm. and some, some arcade Ooh. machines, uh, definitely in that setting, but I didn't have any Atari systems. I was a little bit late to the video game console thing, but yeah, it, w- it was something that just kind of popped into my life here and there. <laughs> well, it's all good. We're happy to have you on now. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have turned. <laughs> we've won exactly <laughs> but but so with these uh like you said you had some like 90s inspiration for drum and bass and everything uh are there any like specific programs that you like to use something that you find easier to make the music for these games before any like specific like do you use Y's at all or fmod or anything like that while you're composing I don't. Um, implementation and that side of things hasn't ever really been in my skill set, nor have I okay. really wished to dive into that. <laughs> that That's fair. That realm. That's fair. It just, you know, it leaves me with more time to focus on the composition and production of the music itself. But as far as my personal gear and setup, I work in Cubase. It's the love of my life. <laughs> Cubase is really fantastic. Yeah, Cubase is awesome. It's been around forever too. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of my go-to virtual synths are Omnisphere Two, uh, Predator, Alchemy. What else? Massive. A lot of stuff from Native Instruments. I kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, float around and uh, and choose a synth and then see what inspires me from that. Um, yeah. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. It sounds like a great way to do it, exactly. Uh, Is there any, like, specific... Do you have, like, a favorite synth or, like, a favorite track that you've done that you're especially proud of with this? Mm. The Recharge series? Well, as far as favorite synths, I I can't get away with not using Omnisphere 2. It's one of Mm -hmm. my biggest go-tos. Just, it's... You could get lost in there for days and not discover everything that's, you know, already preloaded, let alone the sampling possibilities. It's just mm-hmm. so flexible and so cool. And I swear, every single patch that I load up inspires a whole new track. Uh, as far as favorite pieces from the collection that I've done, um, that's tricky. I think... I'm a little biased just because Doom Buggy was kind of the first one that I did. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I had the most energy going into that one, and I think it kind of shows. <laughs> but that like will. overall, I think my favorite is the the four tracks that I did for Black Widow. Ooh, fantastic! Well, we'll have to get some more showcasing these. I mean, we had. At the museum, we've like we've had Centipede on the original Atari before too. So nice, actually, yes. Uh, that's one thing that we're hoping for in the future once we get our 
new space set up. We're in the process of potentially opening up our third and hopefully potentially final space if everything goes well. Uh, but as the museum continues to grow and gain more support, it's just having people like you on and just being connected with the industry that helps us continue to bring like all the history and everything and the ins and outs of the gaming industry as it is today. Totally. Uh, I wish I had had a chance or even knew about the museum when I lived in the Bay. <laughs> it's it's all good. We will get us set up and we will send you an email once everything is set up again. Um, will you be at GDC this year at all? Not this year, but in the near future. Okay. I actually in grew up in future. the Bay Area. So. Oh, fantastic. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Novato. Oh, very nice. Yeah, oh, North right Bay. In the, right in the heart of it all. Totally. And then... With everybody around you. And then... <laughs> yep. Uh, and then I lived in kind of the San Jose, Campbell, Los Gatos area up until very recently uh, before that oh. was Santa Cruz. So I've been a Bay Area girl my whole life up until last year. And now I'm in Seattle. Oh, <laughs> oh. And that's... North U.S. Bay. Yeah, yeah it's Bay like, adjacent, still I guess. North Bay, but just a different bay. <laughs> <laughs> Very North Bay. Yes, the far North Bay, yes. if you will. <laughs> uh, are there any uh, specific challenges that you had while you were recording this that were like difficult to get through? Were like any limitations that you want to talk about and let people know about for, through, through this process? There weren't any serious challenges. The team that I was working with, um, that I'm still working with actually, fantastic. They were super, super flexible and, and awesome. Basically everything I made for them, they're like, yep, that's it. That's great. Keep doing it. <laughs> um, as that's far fantastic. as like technically, this doesn't necessarily apply to just Atari stuff, but mm -hmm. games in general. And that is that I have to be super aware of how things will loop and how things will break down into stem layers. Because for mm -hmm. the recharged titles, we separated each full mix into four or five distinct sort of instrument groupings where the devs had the flexibility to layer them in based on gameplay and achievements. So making sure that those individual groupings were interesting enough on their own as you know, in the full mix as well. That's always kind of a challenge. Yeah. Uh, just for example, I mean, we've both done, Miles and I have also done a lot of different, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, some different implementations throughout our time in school. And more recently, Miles has been working on some previous game jams as well. Nice. Uh, their implementation side of things has been very the, the stem layers especially are something that are really kind of almost specific to the video game genre. So like as you're saying, you can like start with like a little, like a drum beat and then that can be like the basis for like the start of a song and then layer like the bass on top then the synths on top mm -hmm. of that and then potentially like a higher level synth on top that would be more of like the melody. Is there, with all of your previous experience, like... How did you get involved with the Atari Recharge series? Ooh, good question. So I sort of count backwards uh, to one specific networking miracle. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that was um, 
the prolific game composer Dale North. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he's great. He and I were part of a group of video game arrangers and remixers called the Materia Collective. And he was good friends with the folks over at Way Forward. And uh, he and the director, Adam, were talking and Adam was like, hey, we're looking for someone who can do sort of a, you know, 80s synth wavy or like synth pop styled soundtrack, um, hopefully maybe also with vocals. And that recommendation from Dale led me to scoring River City Girls and a couple mm-hmm. of awards, and that was amazing. And then the people at Atari, one of them, uh, producer Chris something or other, I'm forgetting his last name. But anyway, he was playing River City with his kids and was like, this music's great. We should get in touch with whoever did this and, uh, you know, step forward a few paces. I'm working with Atari. That's Amazing. Is there like have you like have you yourself played the different uh, recharged games uh, since you've scored them? I have played a little bit of Asteroids and Centipede. I still need to check out. I know I'm a little bit late, <laughs> but I still need to check out. Well, I mean, it's, Black Widow and Breakout. Well, it's cool that you've still. I mean, there's so much more, and then everything with. Uh, the other games in this series. So you're also, are you doing, you're doing the scoring for all the games in the series, yes? Yes, the four titles that are, I guess they're all out now, yeah. So like then, so now the Atari Recharge series is complete now. There's not going to be another recharged game coming up in the future at all? I am not at liberty to say. Okay, (laughs) fair point. (laughs) Fair play, fair point. We know how I'll some, just of, say some maybe, of that maybe information not. <laughs> is. Yes, it's no, yeah. There's nothing, nothing is concrete in this world with the gaming industry. Yes, not until NDAs have run their course. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, is there, so with the other music that you've done as well, you've like, you produce your own music and you've done lots of other things outside of this Atari Recharge series. I mean, I just breezing through a little bit of your credits earlier. And then I also saw that you did a, a song for the Team C's uh, YouTube sh- uh, <laughs> episode with Mark Rober and Mr. Beast last year as well. I did, yeah. It, that was a, a, self, a self-challenge, I guess you could call it. Um, I probably won't do anything that crazy again. They literally emailed everyone, you know, a lot of YouTube creators. Not that I'm mm-hmm. by any means a big YouTube creator, but I just happened to get this email. I was like, well, that's a cause I am super passionate about. Let's see if I can write and produce and record and mix and, you know, film a video in a week on top of all my other work. So I was kind of a a nutcase and I I did it. (laughs) Well, it it seems like it's definitely paid off. And I'm glad to see, I mean, even with that initiative going forward and everything, uh, it's been it, as what they did with a couple of years prior with the team trees mm-hmm. thing, uh, they've been, it's continuing on in the future. It's not just a one off for the environment for the year. Yeah, totally. It's just a, it's a continuing mode, which I think is also really fantastic to continue on something that powerful. Uh, with your other music and with the other, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, with your other music and everything is there anything else that you would like to 
talk about that you're very proud of doing that you any advice that you would like to give for anybody looking to do the same things that you are doing i mean i know you talked about the networking opportunity with dale north earlier uh how important was that like the just the networking itself networking is pretty much everything uh my best biggest and most you know i guess substantial uh jobs if you want to say it that way have come from personal recommendations and who you know you know it's it's Word of mouth is super important and pretty much critical. Um, you know, how how likely are you to watch a video or listen to something if it's sent to you directly from a close friend as opposed to somebody emailing you out of the blue, like, here's this thing I did. You're like, I don't care. <laughs> Who are you? Exactly. <laughs> so, yes. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, buy my album. Check it key. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just getting a random message from someone you don't know online versus a personal recommendation. It's it's everything. Um, so yeah, as advice for anyone who wants to do something similar, it's, you know, meet a lot of people, talk to a lot of people. It's been hard with COVID, obviously, but that won't be forever. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And there are ways that, that you can, you know, network even still in today's current landscape. Um but yeah, networking and persistence, I think, are the two biggest things. It's even people that apparently or that would appear to have overnight success have literally been working their ass off for 10 years behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not the overnight success. It's their persistence. Yep. And then somebody has noticed that persistence. Exactly. That yeah. That you'll gives- break through at some point and it definitely takes a while unless you know some stroke of luck that does happen to people but in general i'd say like 10 years and then you know you might get some traction <laughs> exactly exactly well that's fantastic to hear thank you for that advice uh is there anything that you've well as far as like the maid goes as well what we like to do is like do you have a favorite game that you've been playing anything that you're inspired by like something that you haven't done as well? Hmm. Well, I've been sort of cranking away on River City Girls 2, so I haven't had a ton of time Ooh. to work or to play games. Um, but I've been kind of chipping away at the medium from Bloober Team. Uh, it's an mm-hmm. atmospheric horror game, and it's super cool. I really love their style. I love anything both games and movies that are just sort of more cerebral and dreamlike. Mm-hmm. And I think that quality kind of inspires my own personal music, not just my game scores too, but I love things that are sort of otherworldly and could fall into yeah, the I, I, like dream or nightmare scape kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. I would definitely say that fits your, that fits your music as well. I mean, everything that I've, everything that I've heard, I mean, you're, uh, into the abyss or uh into the night rather and then the abyss was really like you said ethereal gorgeous and just really captivating as well you really know how to play the mood with what you're trying to communicate as well thank you i appreciate that um so with with this uh how did you get your start in composing how did you get your start in making music. 
So I've been a musician since day one. Um, it was always something I wanted to do. I just... Singing coming out of the womb? Yes. <laughs> basically. <laughs> putting on talent shows for my my parents and their friends. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, quite literally. I, I came out singing and, and dancing a little bit. Um, yeah, I. it just... I didn't figure out the specific nature of the music path that I wanted to follow until college, but leading up to it, I, you know, did private voice lessons, private piano lessons. I did, you know, multiple choirs throughout, all through college, even up to and through college, um, musical theater, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in, I would say, like, the beginning of sophomore year of my undergrad, I took a film music class and I was like, oh my gosh, I had a eureka moment. I loved mm -hmm. movies. I loved soundtracks. You know, a few of my favorite albums of all time are film soundtracks. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a film composer. This is my calling. And, you know, got a film, film scoring degree and then did graduate work in orchestration for film and TV so I could you know, I wanted to learn how to write and arrange those big John Williams style scores. And I haven't gotten a chance to use that skill that much, but it has come in handy a few times. Um, yeah, it was just sort of a natural trajectory and morphed organically from film scoring to video game scoring. And electronic music was always something I listened to. So I don't know. I feel like once I did some electronic stuff, uh, people seem to like it. And so therefore I was hired to do more of that. <laughs> exactly. Like you said, persistence and then still just following, following what you enjoy and then sticking with it. Have you, uh, been, what would you say would some of the comparisons or differences between the film scoring and the game scoring, uh, be that you would like people to know about? Well, film scoring is pretty linear. Um, you know, you have a point A and point B mm -hmm. and you have to support the scene from the beginning of it to the end of it, uh, tonally and, you know, the mood and all of that. And I guess it also has a cohesive whole. So you want to, I, they don't really do this as much anymore, but back when I was a kid, uh, mm -hmm. they, <laughs> people had themes, you know, characters had themes, certain situations had themes and they would be brought in and out of the score. Uh, I loved that, that I mentioned John Williams just a second ago. He's like the master of that. Um, but you're going, like I said, from point A to point B. With a game, you want people to be able to sit there for hours, potentially working on one challenge or one area and hear the same mm -hmm. loop over and over and over again. So instead of thinking from point A to point B, you have to think circularly. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so figuring just out like the a... highs and lows and when they come around again to not bring any sort of fatigue into the experience. Hmm. Is there, with that, I mean, is there like any specific thing that was like that would jog your memory or not jog your memory, but any specific thing that you would say kind of like was... Uh, like a challenge to keep was like the length of a loop, would that have any sort of like major impact it definitely does uh the shorter the loop the less time you have to ebb and flow and uh create 
you know, kind of break points in patterns and rhythm and melody. So yeah, longer loops are definitely easier to work with than shorter loops. But that said, one of my favorite tracks uh, that I've done for a game was a 15 second, I think it was only 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, uh, menu loop for River City Girls. It was, you know, just this tiny little mm-hmm. thing, maybe four synths at most with drums. And for some reason, that little tiny <laughs> loop uh, mm-hmm. was mentioned a lot um, when people were were playing the game. And I don't know. I feel like that was a little bit of a triumph for me because it it does loop so frequently, but no one yet has gotten tired of it that I've heard of. <laughs> that's that's the ultimate goal is to create something that exactly. is listenable for a long long periods of time just to have a little bit of and not get tired of. And it sounds like you've nailed that. I try to. <laughs> Well, uh, Megan, I believe that is all the time that we have for this interview, but we want to thank you again very much for joining us on the podcast and talking to us about the sound and everything that you've done. Uh, if there's anything else that you want to promote, uh, please, now is your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I did release an album of my own personal uh, sort of dark, moody, electropop music last spring. It was my first full-length vocal album that was not for a game uh, or a film score or in collaboration with anyone else. It's called Inner Demons. So if you like that sort of dark, trippy, ethereal vibe, I recommend y'all check it out. Well, thank you very much, Megan. And we will we will potentially try and have you on in the future with any new prospects that you have coming up. So thank you very much. Sweet. Thank you. Uh, so thank you. Megan, for joining us and chatting with us about what it was like to work on these games and your whole process. It was eye-opening and really fun to do. Thank you for your time. So for the end of this now, uh, what have you been playing? Did you Have you guys picked up uh, or taken a look at any of the recharged games that she worked on? Yeah, I played Asteroid um, about a day or so after the the interview was recorded um i don't know i i played asteroids first like in 2006 like on a computer so it wasn't like the original mm-hmm. experience but just yeah. going back to it 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 was fun no. it was still it's still a very good game i really enjoyed the music for it um megan did a did a very good job with it yeah but it's still asteroids it's still it's still the same game it's it looks a lot prettier at this point. Um, I guess it does. It, it, it got all the, uh, uh, the 2020 mm-hmm. visual upgrade. Yeah. Or 2020s. <laughs> it does look really cool. It, it's the music is very fitting for this up, updated style and gameplay. I'm mm-hmm. really sucks you in. It's a fantastic set of games. I ended up giving Dauntless a shot after I, chatted with uh joey a couple weeks ago too and dauntless is it is like a monster hunter online mmo a little bit simplified where it's not necessarily like as equip based when you're going out for a hunt uh has almost like Fortnite graphics which is not like a bad thing at all the art style is very fitting for the gameplay and the style it's a really fun game 
like it, and the hunts are very easy to get into there's not a there's not as much of a learning curve uh with this game as there is with monster hunter which i do appreciate if you're hopping into monster hunter like fresh it's gonna take you a few maybe a couple dozen hours before you feel comfortable with it and and even then it's gonna take you dozens of hours more to really lock in what it like what the best things and best ways to move about are it also simplifies your weapon selection by only having like eight different choices as opposed to 16 which again totally fine but uh, i'm excited to see what the future has with this game it's 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 going to be very fun have you been playing um so chun now that you're back have you been playing anything in your time? Have you been playing any more? <laughs> there are lots of games I want to play, especially after watching the Nintendo Direct. But there's only one I actually get give it a try. That is uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. Mm-hmm. It has been a while ever since I touched any trading card game because the Hearthstone really leave me quite a... Mm, not the best aftertaste. And I have heard of Yu-Gi-Oh! like from a long time ago from memes and other stuff. And now I finally get my hands on it. And it's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. If only I, I have the money to buy the real cards too. Mm -hmm. If only. I mean, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> I can't get sucked into another trading card game like that. It's... Yeah, one, one thing that is very good about the Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Deal is you don't have to pay money for real card, and they have been very forgiving on gifting card packs to you when you're new to the game. So let's say you have enough free draw to let you make your own, make your first set, which is which could be very competitive. Mm-hmm. It's the competitive nature of Yu-Gi-Oh! is really fun i also like the the whole style of it but it's yeah you be... can just sit here for 10 minutes and ask your open okay now you're done did i die can can we go on did i lose already <laughs> and then yeah if if you don't then it's your it's your turn for the 10 minutes to just let your opponents to probably make a coffee take a walk <laughs> yeah i i also like just the fact that you're that it gives you the option to like have like you can you don't necessarily need to keep buying packs of cards like you uh i think you were talking about before you can just play with like a you can play with a singular set and you don't really need to spend a lot of extra money on packs yeah there are just, just, just so many different themes in the game because it's a very historical card game too so there are so many choices and it has been always fresh and fun i'm glad to hear it well, I think that is about all the time we have for this episode. So we once again, we want to thank you for listening to the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment's official podcast. If you have any thoughts, questions, corrections, or general museum ideas, please shoot us an email at info at themade.org. We'd like to send out a big thank you to everyone who donated recently and to our Patreon supporters who keep the made afloat. Patreon donors get to listen to this podcast one week before it's released on major streaming services, and we'll continue that with future episodes every week. This week's episode was brought to you in part by Patreon donors Jonathan Kush and Michal Fajta. Thanks so much for your support. 
Until next time, I'm Red. I'm Miles. I'm Anthony. And I'm Chun. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.